You're listening to Building the Game with Rob and Jason. It's Building the Game with Jason and Rob. For tabletop game design, you really can't go wrong. Building the Game, yeah, Building the Game. Hello and welcome to Building the Game, a documentary podcast. Today is Monday. It is the 28th of May. It is 2018. It's episode 313. My name's Rob. Jason's drinking a drink. I'm drinking a Red Bull. We're uh, podcasting back here tonight. You're having some more of your frosty cream stuff? Frosty blue cream soda. Frosty blue. The bluest of the blue. The, the bluest, bluest of frost. The blue, the frostest of the frost. The yeah. message of the measurement. I just felt like I needed some Red Bull tonight. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. Been a little under the weather, so I'm trying to drag myself out of that and get some enthusiasm. Red Bull is the way to place do that. Place with it gives you wings, you know. No, I'm sorry, it doesn't give you wings anymore because they got sued over that. Yeah, because it doesn't actually. Give it doesn't you actually. Wings. That was the most wings. obvious thing somebody's ever needed. Hey, <laughs> not only did they say Red Bull gives you wings, they actually had an animation of a guy getting wings from yeah. drinking it and yeah. flying. You know. And then they have an event every year called Flugtag, where people throw themselves off a thing in an attempt to fly after drinking Red Bull. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying Nobody that was a marketing flies, disaster. Though. No, they don't. No. Because Red Bull does not indeed give you wings. I'm going to say it was not a marketing disaster because I think it was probably pretty darn effective uh, advertising campaign for a long time. Depends on how much they got sued for. Yeah, I have no idea, honestly. Um, I missed my opportunity to cash in on that. I only found out about it when it was too late to register for right. a free case. That's too bad. Free yeah. case. That's that's the chunk of change there. Yeah, like 30 bucks it's or like something. $700. It's not that expensive. It's close. Um, I think it'd be a case of like 12 eight ounce cans, which is probably, it's probably like 20 bucks. I, I honestly don't know. It's 2,700. I mean, it's, it's close either way. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. So we're at the end of May. Um, end of May. It's still cold and raining outside yeah. Michigan. So pretty much just terrible. Welcome to Michigan weather. It's been rain. It's rained every weekend. I think for the last four weeks. Tell me if I'm wrong. You're, you're grimacing at something on your phone. Sorry. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, anyway, it's been very wet and gloomy and rainy. I've managed to get out and mow the lawn a couple of times. Not that I enjoy that, but it needs it, because yeah. when it rains, the grass Boy, grows. Oh, I don't know. We're coming up to con season. Uh, Geekway to the West uh, was this past weekend, um, which uh, sounds like it went pretty well. I saw lots of pictures from uh, the folks at Playco. They were there with... With Epic Monster Tea Party. Epic Monster Tea Party. And they're their games, Danger, Danger, Dinosaur, and Civicus. Uh, did you hear the feedback you got on uh, Epic Monster Tea Party? I, I did see that, yeah. Yeah, Mr. Katarski's five-year-old daughter uh, scolded me for making a game about killing people. Should, should I read the exact yeah, thing? Yeah, please do that. pretty good. He said, and I quote, well, sorry, she said, uh, BMX stuff. Gosh, Katarski, come on. Okay, there it is. Cora, my five-year-old, says to me in a very serious voice at breakfast while looking at this box, Epic Monster Tea Party, Epic Monster Tea Party is sad. You are pretending to kill people, and that's not funny. That's not a funny joke. Thanks, Rob, he said, and then he tagged your wife and said, can you make sure that he sees this? Yeah. And she did. She did a good job of making sure that you oh, saw yeah. this. She made so sure. Make sure to ruin my day. She probably loved saying that to you. She thought it was pretty funny. I think it's pretty funny. Um... I think killing people is funny in that context because you're not killing people. You're killing little, little wooden meeples, meeples, little cartoon characters. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, that was very cute. Very, very cute. And she's not wrong. I mean, what are you, what are you doing there? You're just making noises. It's a receipt. Oh, game pitch. It's your game pitch for tonight. (laughs) That is hastily scrawled on a sheet of like, you know, three three by four notebook paper. Here's the best. It's actually pretty well thought out. Okay. I thought of it when you were on your way over here. Oh, good. We had a pitch challenge and I realized that I hadn't done that. Yeah. And then I designed tried to design something else and accidentally designed the pitch challenge. <laughs> Yay. Well, congratulations. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh let's see. Um I uh, I finished watching Lost in Space on Netflix. Uh, it was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. liked it. I I'm looking forward to a season two if they do it. I mm-hmm. think that's worth watching. Yeah, I think even if you're not a fan, like an old school fan of Lost in Space, I think you'd still enjoy it. Uh, so that's a that's a recommendation, a genre recommendation. Right. Um, what else I've been seeing, watching, doing, experiencing? I haven't made it out to see Deadpool yet. 
Solo, I guess, will have opened this the weekend this goes up. Yeah, I want to go see that. I probably won't see it opening weekend. I, I don't. I I'm gonna try and see Deadpool that weekend, but I don't know. Right. Um, Solo, though, I, I've heard pretty decent reviews about it. Yeah. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So um, uh, what I've watched lately uh, is uh, Silicon Valley. I just finished the new season. Okay. Yeah, we're working on that. We're about four episodes in now. You know, I'm constantly impressed by the level of quality of that show. It's right? great, yeah. Like, it is a show that really every season just gets funnier because they mm-hmm. just build on, like, and, like, I, there was a thing, there's a thing that happens in the season finale, and I'm not going to spoil it, obviously, because you haven't seen it. I don't know who else has seen it, but you'll know it when it happens. Mm-hmm. Something will happen, and you'll say, I know exactly what's going to happen because of this poor decision, uh-huh. because you know the character so well, and you know yeah. how it works, right? Yeah. And it's just, it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, but the level of quality of that show oh, it's um, great. is amazing. And, you know, so Ehrlich Bachman is not on this season. Yeah, because um, TJ Miller, turns out, is a piece of human garbage. Oh, my gosh. That yeah. guy's terrible. Yeah, yeah. Which is too bad because I really liked him. But, like... He's funny. He Him being from the show, I've not missed it one bit. I thought yeah. I would. Yeah. But, no. Like, it's just been fantastic. Yeah. Um, Man, uh, I think that... I, I struggle with who my favorite character is, but by the end of this season, I will tell you who the smartest character is. Mm-hmm. Who do you think the smartest character is on the entire show? Uh, right now, I would say Jared without any question. Oh, okay. That's fair. Okay. Yeah. Mine would be Guilfoyle. Okay. That guy is constantly like figuring stuff out and like doing smart stuff and like, yeah. And he's terrible. And I love that. <laughs> he's yeah. So- yeah, yeah. I, 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 Jared, I think Jared is is absolutely the best character. He's the most. Oh, he, is, he is. He's the most most sincere and genuine and caring and hopeful per, person. He's just he's just everything everything that all those other characters should be but could right. not possibly be. He's also probably the most well fleshed out character on the show. Oh yeah, like he, he's the most well rounded. The yeah. depth of his personality is just insane. We know so much about who he who he is right. and yeah, who yeah, he yeah. was, yeah, right? Right, right? We know more about his background than anybody any other character on the show. My my favorite favorite thing, I think it was last season uh when um uh what's his name uh Jared, no Richard, Richard the Richard, main guy. Yeah, 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 Richard. Yeah, my least favorite character on the show. Uh, <laughs> he's great. Don't get me oh, wrong. Yeah. He's great, but like he is my least favorite character on the uh-huh. show. Uh, he um he goes over to Jared's after they have like a falling out, and Jared is there with some friends. <clears throat> and when he closes the door, Richard says one of my favorite lines from the entire show: "This guy, he yeah." <laughs> and like, and you had to bleep that, and sorry, but yeah, that is one of my favorite like repeated themes. Sure, I mean, well, that's a callback to what Russ Hanneman, I think, yeah, in, yeah, in yeah, season yeah. two, yeah. I believe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, Russ um, Hanneman, I love that guy. That guy's too. great too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a great show. Um, it is. It's oh, a great fantastic. show. It's smart, and it feels like as crazy as it is, is, so much of it just feels like that must be what it's like as a startup out <laughs> yeah, there. Right. And I'm sure it's not, but like they make it's it's office space for startups, right? Yeah. But if you like anything techie. Uh, and you like things that are funny and good, I cannot more highly recommend a show than that. Yeah. Friggin' love it. It's fantastic, yeah. Yep. Speaking of futuristic techie stuff, I still mm. we still haven't been able to start uh, Westworld yet this season. Nor have and we. And I've heard it's pretty solid, so... Yeah, I haven't been reading yeah. anything on purpose. No, no. All, all I've heard is the reviews have been good, and anytime I see any more than that, I just close it out, but... Yeah, by the way, like, uh, you and I both are readers of, of the of IO9 and Gizmodo oh, yeah, yeah. and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. and... and I mean, they they have some apologies to make for some of their article titles. Yeah, oh, people complain about that all the time. They're yeah. terrible. Yeah, 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 yeah. They are terrible. Article titles and their article images, their cover images. Yep. Yeah. They are awful about that stuff. Because a lot of times the title and or the image, if weren't correlated, would not like... Right. It's like, guess who dies in this movie? Picture You'll never guess. Picture of a person. Yeah. It may be them. It may not be them. But yeah. now you believe it's them, mm-hmm. right? And oh, it's, it's really annoying. I love that website. I love the writing. Uh, but yeah, that is like Infinity War. They were ter- like they were good for about two days. Yeah, and, and then they then just, they just stopped yeah. trying. Yeah, they just stopped trying. Yeah. Like, and people complain about the article titles and stuff, and they are like, "Yeah, that sucks." Sorry. Well, they I'm, they do that because it gets people to click on their stuff, right? Right, yeah. right. But they've actually I've seen spoilerific article titles and end up reading and spoiling the whole thing on certain things because i'm like well i guess i know that now i might yeah. as well read the rest yeah right so that's annoying to me it is so yeah anyway 
Um, so I'll, I would like to give an update because uh, I had a couple of people uh, reach out to me to ask about the uh, prom solo game. Uh, right. Asked me how that was going. Uh, and uh, so I wanted to check back in with that. I did take that to prototype. Um, and it's the first uh, solo game that I've taken all the way through to prototype and actually done playtesting myself. And so from that perspective... Making the solo game is awesome because you can just test it right away. <laughs> you just and, keep testing And it. you just keep playing it over and over again. Right. And you don't have to get people around and ask people to get together. And and it, it's great. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the, uh, so that was very exciting and, and satisfying. Um, sadly, I could not say the same for the game. It's <laughs> <laughs> the best. Um, it was, it was it, it, at the same time, both too easy and too difficult. Um, uh, so that we, takes a rare talent, my friend. Yeah, it was, it was too easy. Cause, cause you know, I, I, again, uh, just to recap that briefly, you have to clear four stacks of cards and you have to do it with, with cards that you're playing from your hand and you have a limited another number of cards in the deck, um, that you can use to clear the four stacks. And if you can clear it, you know, with five cards, then then you get a bunch of points, but if you clear it with seven or more, you don't get. You only get like one point. Right. Um, so it, it was at a point where it was you, you could always clear all four stacks, and that was not a problem right. before your your deck ran out. That was not a problem, but it was really, really, really hard to be able to clear the four stacks with only five cards. Um, mm-hmm. To the point where the best I was ever able to do is to clear one of the four stacks with five cards, and that was really kind of through no influence of my own. It was just random, random just shuffle. Lucky. Yeah, right. So, so both too easy and too hard at the same time, and, and there, so there wasn't really enough player input or player agency in that. Um, so, it, so discovering that uh, I played it probably six times just with myself uh, with different self-imposed challenges and, and, and things. And I just, I'm not sure what to do with it next. So I need to kind of chew on that a little bit. Cool. I don't have good clear direction for, for next steps on it. So I'm not sure. Um, the closer we get to origins, the less energy I, I'm going to have to focus on that. So I probably won't get it done in time for the, for the game crafter contest. Honestly, if it had gone better, I probably would have kept pushing on it. But right now I kind of want to focus on, on getting red planet ready for testing at origins. And this, Battletech rolling right that I'm going to pitch next week. Um, yeah, yeah, but that's the update on this proposal game. I still, I still think that's a that's a cool theme. Uh, I think it's a funny, quirky kind of kind of appealing theme to a certain audience. You know, I think so. Um, so we'll see where I go with that. But uh, anyway, that's the update on that. Cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about something here. Okay. We're going to talk about a topic. <clears throat> the topic we're going to talk about today. The topic we're going to talk about today is um, how to ratchet up tension in a game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what we mean by that is as a game progresses, how to make it get you know more like intense mm-hmm. while you're playing the game. Um, so that uh, in, in some games maybe it's like because you're trying to start out where something is not as difficult for the players and it gets more difficult, but. Which is mm-hmm. one thing, but I, I'm thinking more along the lines of like how to make the game more like stressful as you're playing it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, sure. So Rob said he had tons of ideas about that. I didn't he, say that. He didn't say that. I didn't say that. He said that's a good topic. We should talk about that. Yeah, <clears throat> I do have a couple of thoughts on that. That's good. That's good. Yeah. So the first thing that comes to my mind is is creating scarcity. Um, <clears throat> scarcity in resources or scarcity in uh, in options. In some way, where you know you, you start the game with with a, a a plethora of options in front of you and resources that can be spent, um, and uh, as the game goes on, as you're spending those resources, they go away and they are spent, and you're not going to get them back. And so, by by creating scarcity in resources and scarcity in options, it, it can it can it makes each decision and each turn feel a little bit more meaningful than the one before it. Uh, and then when you get down to it, down to the end, theoretically, if if balanced well and if presented well, that could that could really create some real tension, as I see it. Yeah, yeah. I think that yeah, yeah. Scarcity mm-hmm. is definitely yeah. yeah. 
that's something that I I did with with Saloon Tycoon with uh, with scarcity mainly around supply cubes, mm-hmm. but but also around uh, you know what characters are still available, what tiles are still available, because uh, there's only a limited number of each, and the game ends based on when all the supply cubes run out. Right. Uh, right. And so by by doing that 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 brought it allowed everybody to be able to look at that pile and say okay and, and instantly have a feeling of how much time they've got left in the game, you know? Right. Um, which which is meaningful. That's very meaningful. Oh, that's very meaningful uh, to know how much time you have left in the game for sure. Yeah. Uh, uh, and so and so that's that's really, really valuable. And then it's also, it, it, it then, uh, you know, earlier in the game, you, oh, that's a big pile there. I've, I've got, you know, seven things I could do on this turn and kind of whichever one I, I want to do, I'll do whatever, you know? You know, doing a specific one, it's not quite so tight. But when I get to the end of that game, you know, I'm only might only have two turns left based on what everybody else around the table is about to do. Mm-hmm. I might say, "Oh gosh, you know, I could I could buy the supply cubes now, or I could let it go and do this other thing." But then somebody else might take them, and, the, and it creates right. tension and it creates urgency, yep, yep. Um, which which causes you know a difficult decision making, which I think can be really rewarding if it goes well for you and. Uh, uh, and it, and also if, if it doesn't go well for me, for you, it gives you a place to go back and think, what if I'd done that differently and to think again about strategy. Right. Um, right. so that worked really, really well for me with Saloon Tycoon. Um, I, I think, you know, another thing is increasing random, I mean, decreasing randomness, mm-hmm. right. As the game moves on, um, whether that is, uh, I know AJ always talked about betrayal and house in the hill that we never actually played. Sure. It's uh, well, great. I love that, it. Oh, you did finally play I it? I played it, yeah. yeah, okay. we, yeah we, we picked it up several years ago. Christina, I've played it seven or eight times. Oh, cool. I love okay. it. Yeah, it's great. Um, but I know that the uh, the chance of something going wrong mm-hmm. in the game ratchets up as the game, right? So every yep. time you have to roll those dice or whatever, yep. it's like... And that's really exciting, yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, another way to do that would be even be just with a deck of cards where um, you know bad things happen. Uh, maybe yep. you shuffle those, say, into the bottom half of the deck mm-hmm. and then shuffle the top and the bottom separately and then put them together right mm-hmm. so you know that for a certain point bad things aren't going to happen mm-hmm. but once they start happening then it's like oh gosh oh it's coming it is coming yeah. right yeah um yeah not knowing when the end will show up yeah all you know is that, that get that stack is getting thinner and thinner and thinner right and yeah the, the, the cards are getting worser and worser and worsest <laughs> right yeah yeah that was the next thought that i had that yeah i long time builders know that i'm a fan of pompeii the downfall of pompeii and i like i like those those eruption cards that you shuffle into the to the back half or back third of the deck, and you never know when those specific events are going to trigger right, based on right. when you're drawing cards. Um, and I, I really enjoy that. I think that's really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, another thing that Pompeii does well with that is not only does does it have the tension of you never know exactly when the volcano is going to erupt, but it, it, it adds to it. It starts to, to restrict your options for movement by with right. the lava flows right. that are getting placed. Um you're you're not it's both surprising with when the end is going to show up and then it also uh uh takes options away from you right right. um which adds to that tension and that excitement um yeah and and yeah so another game that does that really really well is um forbidden island Uh, yeah which i've still never played so with forbidden island you get these water rise cards and the water level goes up Mm -hmm. but at certain points when the water level goes up the game gets worse uh for uh for destroying your stuff and that's a game where you know the island is actually sinking square by square right Mm -hmm. uh and in the beginning oh this sinks use the engineer to pull it back up no big deal right Mm -hmm. but then as that map starts to get worse and worse and uh and, and more full of holes that you can't fix um, wow, that's like the worst feeling because you're like, I need to get over there. It in that movie does such a great job of that feeling, movie. Sorry, <laughs> that game, that game does yeah. such a great job of feeling like an Indiana Jones movie where uh-huh. like you know the ball is chasing him or like you know, the pieces are falling away and he's jumping from one ledge to another or something like that, right? Yep. Um, and that is, um, I mean that that game is perfection when it comes to ratcheting up tension. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the point where it can be infuriating sometimes because in addition to ratcheting up the tension, there's more randomness now when that happens yeah. to more likely cause it to ratchet up the tension even higher, mm-hmm. which is really annoying uh, in a good way, right? Sure, yeah. Uh, and that's a game too where you can set a difficulty level when you start, depending on what the base level you start the water at is. Mm-hmm. Um, and that makes the game get worse faster. Um, but I, I think that is a that is a really good game example mm-hmm. of let's ratchet up the tension and make it difficult. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, you know, uh, um, thinking about re- decreasing randomness, there's also an opportunity there for increasing randomness. And I'm thinking in terms of deck builders, um, uh-huh. which actually feature both of those options. It can depending it on how you want to build your deck. Yeah. So the player can kind of choose their own approach to that. You know, uh, using D- Dominion as the example, um, early in the game you kind of you, you pretty much know what those what cards you're going to start with. It's uh-huh. it's easy and. You go through that deck once, and and after your first hand, you're pretty sure what's going to come up in that second hand. And as you're building your deck, you know every every time your deck runs out, you have to reshuffle it. But but you get to know what's in there and how many of each card are in there. And really, really good players uh, are, are really good at the the deck culling as they go. You know, right? Yeah, and building a super super efficient deck so that they're either going to get. They're going to get exactly what they want in every turn. Right. But the downside, of course, is that you also are only going to get points for putting scoring cards into your deck. Right. You know, so so being able to 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 add the the strategy of, of culling and, and trimming your deck down to only the cards that are going to benefit you, but also balancing that against cards that are just going to get in the way that aren't good for anything but, but scoring, yeah. but, but that you need game, in order yeah. to win the game. Yeah, that's that's that can be a really, really exciting... Uh, uh, um, uh, balance to try and find between between too few and too many, right, right. Um, and it's very exciting, and, and uh, I think a lot of deck, good deck building games do that, right. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, there's a um, the game that I'm working on uh, with my friend that we're gonna start playtesting at Origins together. Um, we are attempting to both reduce you, the amount of things that you can do as the player. Mm-hmm. while increasing the amount of things your opponent can do as a player because um, you're working together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that you know kind of double ratchets up the tension is the idea, right? That while I'm working um, to get the things done I need to get done, I'm gaining less and less time to do that um, with, the, with the opponents gaining more and more time to mm-hmm. do what they need to do. Um, and knowing that if I run out of time, I'm done, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's done well. It's kind of like disarming a bomb, right? <laughs> you, wanna, yeah. you want the players to do it within the last couple seconds. Sure, just in the nick um, of time. Right, because that is what feels like. Right. That makes you feel clever, right? You know, um, we when I did an escape room, we got out of an escape room, uh, you know, like with like 60 seconds to spare or less. Mm-hmm. That was more fun than if we got out with five minutes to spare. Oh, right? yeah, sure. Because yeah. it was like, we did it. Like literally someone's typing super fast trying to get the code put in the computer and then we did it and we got out. Yeah. And that's that's the best. And, you know, a countdown clock like that, right? Like mm-hmm. if you are playing a timed game, a countdown clock works well for that, right? Yeah. Um, obviously, there's not a lot of games that do that right now. Um, but there are games that time you with things, right? Sure, yeah. I, lo- I love that Escape Escape the Hidden Temple game. It's, right, right. it's fantastic. Yeah, f- in, for that. In th- for the same thing, real-time games do the exact same thing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, real-time games automatically, they just have... Well, I guess they don't ratchet up the tension. It's just tension, tension, tension. Sure. Right? Um, snap judgments, do stuff fast. Yeah, right. You know, things I love. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> things you hate, you mean. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. That's what you mean. Yeah, um... Gosh, what else? Uh, other ways to increase tension, uh, you know. So there, so uh, games where you have where you have a, a character of some kind, you know, uh, or or a base or something that that is getting is maybe getting destroyed. Uh, in, mm-hmm. in my BattleTech game is that I'm working on, again that I'll pitch next week. Um, you know, you're taking damage as you play the game, and and the tighter to the end it gets, you, you're you're kind of hopefully if if all goes well with development on that, you're you're, you're you're starting out with this this powerful thing that's you know in perfect condition, and you can just kind of throw your weight around and sh- you know blast away the other guys. But as you take damage over the course of the game, your mech gets more and more effed up, and uh, uh, and at the end there, you're kind of just sort of limping along, hoping you can get back to just one more shot. And, and um, right, uh, and I mean that's true for for all kinds of games that are focused around combat, uh, mm-hmm. or you know, kind of a one on one sort of sort of thing like that. Um, and that that's another great way to to add uh, tension, add add excitement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think of some other examples, other ways to to approach that. You know, I mean, you know, a simple thing. If you you don't want to think of it just as tension, but just upping kind of the stress level. It's yeah forcing a players to make harder and harder choices, right? Mm-hmm. You spoke a little bit about that with Saloon Tycoon where mm-hmm. your options, you got two options and there's a better option, but there's the option that may not be there next turn, mm-hmm. right? 
Um, but I do think that making players make harder and harder choices is a very easy way to do that. Sure. Um, without having to really ratchet up the tension, just ratchet up the stressful, the stress level of, oh gosh, you're like, I don't want to do that, but that seems like the only option. And, uh, I hate these options. Um, Mm -hmm. I like games, uh, sometimes not always, but I, when it's done well, I like games where you're presented with bad choices. One of them being bad, the other one being worse. And you're trying to like, yeah choose the least worst choice sure yeah um that can be that can be really cool mm-hmm. um so mm-hmm. so yeah yeah one one thing that uh thinking back to sentinels of the multiverse one thing that i liked about that is that some of those bad guys that when when you would they would get to a phase when you're fighting the boss where the character the boss's character card would flip over and then all of a sudden, right. it's, it's like a, you're fighting a whole new bad guy, right? Yeah, you know, with yeah. new powers and new special abilities and things. And I think that's that's a cool thing, something that where it just changes the nature of how you play, uh, right? In, in mid game, I mean that, and that's it's a, an excellent example, and really is one of the things that made that game for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah. and it's also kind of why I like some of the villains better than others, right? Because some of them handle that in in, in different ways and in, in ways that I think are more exciting than others. Oh, I totally agree. Yeah. Totally agree. Yeah, that was my experience with that game as well. Yeah. Um. So so one thing that can be risky is when when the choices you make become of decreasing importance or decreasing impact. Um, a lot of games struggle with that. A lot of games struggle with that. Yeah, where you know, if you you're making a choice to collect a resource early on in the game, and and you know, if you had one resource and now you have two resources, you increased your options by a hundred percent, right? But late in the game, mm-hmm. if you have ten resources in front of you and you uh, you get one more, then your options only increased by ten percent, right? You know, right? And and so so thinking about then the impact and, and how, how the importance of those, those decisions can affect the feeling of playing that game. Uh, the same action can have different meaning depending on when in the game it's occurring. Right, right. Um, yeah. Well, in some games too, when it's done poorly, you end up with kind of the lame duck yeah. last turn, right? right Where it's right. like, literally my options don't matter. Mm-hmm. It, I'm not even increasing them by 10%. Mm-hmm. The choices I make this round won't matter. And yeah. that's... Um, that's part of the coming in late and getting out early, right? Start yeah. the game on turn three and end the game, you know, on turn nine when it should be ten. Yeah, that way you feel like it ended just oh, you yeah. did another round. And that is something that I I, I will admit that that uh, if you're playing Saloon Tycoon and you've got three people who know what they're doing and you've got one person who might be playing for the first time or even two and two, that's something where where those that one person or those two people who who've never played before against experienced people. They might they might get to a point where they kind of feel like they're out of it uh, once they get you know two thirds of the way through the game. Right. If, right. if they're not making good strategic decisions, and, and you know, and it's I think it's arguable to say, well, they made a lot of bad choices and put themselves in that situation. Right. But they also didn't know any better. But they also didn't know any better because because of that. So so that is right. I think a valid criticism of 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 my game. So one of the many. <sighs> <laughs> Kidding. I love that game. Um, but it's it's certainly something to to think about. Um, yeah. Uh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, n- uh, I'm struggling to come up with any more ideas or examples or, uh, or suggestions. I don't know. I feel like mind. we, I feel like we got that pretty good. Yeah. I mean, we didn't talk about, uh, um, Jenga, right? So. Well, I mean, you just, <laughs> you're, I mean, yeah. But so that, I mean, that's a, that's an example of, of, you know, you're making the same choice throughout in that entire game. But every time you make that choice, it makes the next choice more difficult. It's yep. it's you know it's that it's a piling up of of stress and of challenge. Right, right, right. You know, um, and so I, there are probably other ways to translate that into other board game functions uh, and other board game mechanics. But it kind of kind of the nature of that idea is, is sort of at the root of of what we're talking about here. That that every decision should be meaningful, and every every decision you make should make the next decision more meaningful yeah. so that those or at least pil- not less or at least not less yeah. right yeah so that so that by the time you get to the end of that uh every decision it's still the same decision but the nature of it is is more extreme than anything um, right again again depending on the type of game that you are trying to make of course so right well i think i just put jason to sleep about that you one did. almost you did. um how about i pitch a game why don't you pitch a game so the good news is this game, theoretically, uh, should ratchet up tension as you play it. Oh, that's good so, news. So funny thing, this wasn't even planned, but um, 
I, because I love you, Twitter, right now. Talk in the microphone, please. Because I love you, Twitter, right now. I am tweeting a picture of this game design so that you guys can see the awesomeness that Rob saw. Yeah, well, we should try and make sure that's in the show notes, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't tweet much, so it's probably like my last tweet. (laughs) Probably true, yeah. So, this game does not have a name. uh, But the whole point of this game is uh, Rob suggested that... uh, Well, actually, I think I suggested... Yeah, this is all your idea. Rob had an idea for a roll and write game. And I said, you know what? I'm going to jump on that bandwagon. I've been wanting to work on one of those for a while. So, I am going to also... I'm going to also design a roll and write game. And I'm going to do it with my white whale of design which is building some sort of cabin in the woods, right? Survival. This is my sweet sheet of paper. Yep. This sheet of paper is amazing, Rob. Uh-huh. I'm going to use it as a reference so that I, the builders are confused, but you're not. I uh-huh. love when we do that. Yep, me too. Um, they love it. You're especially good at that. I'm very good at that. Yeah. Let me draw you a picture silently. So, <laughs> I had that in a conference call having today where some people were on video and some people weren't. And somebody asked somebody a question. And the person didn't respond, and they said, "Great, I'll call you after this." Then, uh, and I realized that the person nodded their head, <laughs> which was funny to me. Anyways, okay, I am also nodding my head right now. Right, you yeah. are. Yes, roll and write game. Roll and write game. You are one of two to four people living around uh, a uh, uh, area. We'll call it Alaska because I like Alaska. Um, way up in the northern areas, and you are uh, working to build a homestead for yourself. Um, build this homestead for yourself before the long winter comes or the long night, right? So you've got the uh, long, long dark. Yes, yeah, yeah. So it's a video game. It's pretty good. Actually. Oh, is it? Yeah, because so it's a survival game. It's good. You might like it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it will work on Mac though. Anyway, no, go on. Not. Anyways, so so here's how the game works. You've got 24 dice, right? Because I wanted lots of dice. <laughs> that is a metric ton of dice. Right, right, right. They're all exactly the same, though. So, okay. Publishers, hop on board, right? <laughs> maybe it's too much. I could maybe make it less, but this is why. 24 dice, 24 hours in a day. Okay? Ah, oh, there's okay. a theme here. All right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyways. <clears throat> that was good. That Many was good. dice you have, yes. So, um... Uh, so you're going to, uh, the beginning of the game, so there'll be a mat that has 24 slots on it, uh, for the dice. You're going to just roll the dice and then quickly just grab and put them out, right? No particular order. Everyone are these, are just, these numbered one through six? Uh, you will. So they're going to have pictures on them. Okay. Yes. All right. Okay. The prototype you may try if I decide to prototype this will uh-huh. definitely be one through six. Sure. 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 Uh, so the resources are wood, stone, cause that's required leather, food, or, because that's also required, and a lantern. And we'll get to the lantern. Okay. So the lantern is, well, I'll just tell you, a lantern is wild, right? Um, because you are working against the darkness. Uh, so the lantern is a wild, basically lets you duplicate something you already want, something you already have. Okay. Does that make sense? Cause, yeah. Because you can work later because you've got the lantern. Yeah. Uh, okay. So each uh, die that you're going to collect in this game represents an hour of time spent, right? Uh, for you, and it, maybe it's not just you, maybe it's you and someone else working, right? Uh, but it's your homestead, right? So whatever thematically makes sense. When the game starts, you have 24 dice, aka 24 hours of light, okay? Does that make sense? 24 hours, of, there's not 24 hours of light in the day, though. There are, if you're far enough north in Alaska. Oh, got it. Yeah. Nice, mm, okay, yep, yeah. yep, with you now. So, trust me, I've been there, Yeah. and, and it was. Yep. Uh, so, so you put those out, and then you have these shapes, these are not the final shapes, but uh-huh. I'm going to show you these shapes just so that when I describe them, you can help me if I'm confusing. So these are uh, tetraminos. Yeah. Yeah. Tetraminos, I believe I is the proper I, way to I say that. I have no idea. Whatever. They're the tetris shapes. Yeah. I mean, but um, they're not all, all strictly four. No. Yeah. There's there's one that's one, uh, just a square. Yeah. One that's two next to each other. I've, the only shape you can put two in. One that is an L. One that is a line of four. And then one is a cross, but I think it's going to actually be this, like four with mm-hmm. a straight and then one out the middle. Mm-hmm. That, the that the little what, T-shaped trauma. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, okay. So those are the shapes. And you have one of the T-shaped one, two of the two block, two of the L, one of the four, and one of the little one, right? Okay. Those have like pictures of tools on them and stuff in your color. Mm. So on my turn, I'm going to take, I'm going to take my piece and I'm going to set it on top of uh, dice in that pattern. Okay. And then, uh, and then I'm going to take those dice, 
So when you're laying those dice out, you're laying you're not laying them in a line. You're laying laying them out in a grid, like in a six by four grid. Six by four. Okay, right. Okay, yep. got it. So um, in the in the that's why the map is for to make sure the dice are spaced appropriately. Uh huh. The dices. I literally just said dices. You did. I let it go, but you <laughs> called yourself out. I'll call myself out. It's fine. Uh, so when I lay like that T shape, and I can do it anywhere I want, mm-hmm. but all the resources are different, and I'm trying to get specific resources for what I'm trying to build. Right? Sure. Uh, so I lay it on there, take the dice, and then leave my piece there. Now the next person that collects can't go over what I've already collected. Oh, okay. All right. See good. what I'm going here? Yep. Um, so they have to put a piece out and we do that until there's no more viable pieces, which is everybody gets the one piece because that way you'll get one last play theoretically. Yeah. Um, and, uh, going first is super, super powerful. Super powerful. Um, yeah, yeah. 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 So there'll have to be a way in the game to, to see who should get to go first based on, mm-hmm. um, you know, everyone, realistically, everyone will probably get to play a four square one on their first go round. Um, because probably. of the two different shapes. So, but that would play testing would tell me that, yeah. um, whether or not there was an issue. So you take these dice and you set them face up in front of you and those are your resources for that turn. Okay. Okay. You spend the resources on the turn or they're gone. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause I like games like that where you spend them or they're yeah, gone. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So what you've got in front of you on your roll and write board is a cabin, mm-hmm. uh, with, you know, logs going up the side. Um, but then also like like windows and stuff like that and roofing that would require different materials, a fireplace. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would all be broken into little sections, kind of like a, a side view of it. Um, and so like when I color in the one level on the side, that is assumed that I went all the way around my cabin, right? Sure. Um, and maybe it'd be at an angle so that you could also see the front door and stuff, right? Okay. There'd also be a cache, uh, which is like a, where you like a thing where you put the stuff in. It's yeah. have you seen those before? I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, For storing food and yeah, stuff. Like yeah, like a canoe, snowshoe, like a bunch of different stuff you might uh-huh. want to build. Maybe like a dozen things. To where you're not going to be able to build them all, right? Yeah. But each of them are increasing your survivability um for uh for the winter. Mm-hmm. Right. So after that first round, two dice in the top corner, gone forever. There's two less hours of daylight. Right? Yeah. So um so that's what's going to happen during the game is that's going to keep reducing. Um, okay. Until yeah. you, there's no more dice left? Until there's, no, until there's no more dice left. So one thing, huh. one idea would be to benefit the later players would be. Mm-hmm. Um, so the round, um, at the end of the round, uh, two dice come off, right? Mm. You could say that uh, like, yeah, I'm trying to think. I was trying to think of a way to allow... Um, uh, the uh, the like the last two players to keep an extra die, right? Because those two dice were removed. Mm-hmm. So basically, every round, like somebody's like getting a bonus die for being late to the party. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure exactly how that would work, mm. but that's basically the game, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so you're you're working against the darkness, um, trying to get more things done during the day. You're just trying to build up your cabin, increase your food stores. Um, so everybody, so you're only gonna get six turns in the whole game. Sorry, 12 turns. 12, 12 turns, turns. Yeah, right. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, sorry, 12 oh, crap, turns. my math. No, yeah. 12. That makes more sense. That's okay. what I was going for, right? Yeah, okay. My original idea was to do 24 full turns, mm-hmm. um, and that actually may be okay simply based on the fact that the turns should go faster and faster. Mm-hmm. And really, once we've all selected our dice, um, we're all coloring at the same time, right? right? Um, I, I kind of I kind of like losing two each time. That feels more meaningful. That's what I thought, too. Yeah, just, to, I mean, um, a, a, your, your game length is... is a key decision factor there, right, but right, I, I kind of right. like two. So, um, you could even get to a point where for the first, you know, three rounds or first four rounds, you're only using one. And then after that, you lose two every time or something. You can step it up like that. Right. That's true. You mean ratchet up the tension? Yeah. Hey, ratcheting up the tension. Didn't we just, we should talk about that. So yeah. go on. But anyways, the idea is that it's, um, scarcity is increasing, right? Yeah. Less and less resources. So you're trying to do as much as you can with those little bit of resources. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so maybe I'm cutting you off here, but so so what? How do you determine survivability and stuff? So um, the things you complete, the uh, combinations. I think of the things you complete, right? Okay, like uh, like creating the cache is only good if you have enough food to put up there to where it matters, right? So just making stuff isn't always helpful. Yes, your main cabin. Like I would say, if you don't finish your main cabin, you can't win the game. 
right? Like you can make everything else and score a ton of points, but it is you, your multiplier is something is zero. I mean, you're your host mm. because if you don't have a cabin, it doesn't matter mm. if I built a canoe and snowshoes and a bunch of other stuff. I don't have a cabin. I'm going to die, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so would any of making any of, the, any of these things give you a free resource on each turn? Would they do any resource generation? I think that's fair. Yeah, like if you, you know, make the bow and arrow or the snowshoes or the canoe, for, let's say the canoe, mm-hmm. you get a free a free food resource every turn, right? Yeah. Um, that seems fair, you know, and uh, and you would have slots where you could put food resources in. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, yeah. Hmm. In fact, honestly, for food resources, it really could just be a big open box where you just write like one, cross it out, two, cross it out, three. You know what I mean? Instead of checking boxes, because mm-hmm. then theoretically, the small you, you could fit up to 40 in there without having to have 40 check boxes if you are um, paying attention to it. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's neat. I, so I really like that dice structure. I liked it a lot with the tetrominoes to help you pick stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's really clever. Um, I, I, I'm, sh- I, I, what I'm not sure about is is that scoring, right? What, what, right? I, what? It, <laughs> I'm just making sounds. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking out loud or trying to <laughs> trying to form my words here. Um, making making those decisions meaningful, right? About how do I how do I decide what to add? And is there always, you know, a best possible strategy? Uh, and I mean, obviously there can't be right. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I okay. Have an idea. Yeah. I have an idea. Do it. Okay. What if there's like 12 cards in addition to this game? Okay. Right. Uh-huh. And, uh, you've heard of like the farmer's almanac, right? Sure. Like people really are into that. Like, yeah. Oh, it's got the stuff. And I look at the farmer's almanac for when to plant my plants. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, because the weather's not good enough for them, they need the almanac. Mm-hmm. Um, but right, what if you each get one page from the almanac mm-hmm. that says something that's going to be rough that winter? Right. So basically, says something else you should prepare for. It's basically giving you a secret goal, right? Mm-hmm. Um. So if there's four players, let's say that we pull eight pages from that almanac, right, out of twelve. Okay. Or even three more. I don't know. Seven. Whatever. X plus something. Um, so every player's got one plus these extras. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what happens is at the end of the game, we reveal all of those, right? Um, and you only score for the one you were prepared for and everyone shares the ones in the middle. Right? So... Okay, and so these are, are not... surprises. These don't necessarily directly correspond with the resources. These correspond with the things you built. Right. Okay. Or maybe it says like you've got a thing that says food is going to score, you know, like food is going to score minus one, right? Mm. This, you know, this year. Sure. Uh, Because you're not going to need it because it's not that bad of a winter, right? Or Mm -hmm. you're going to need more firewood this winter because it's going to be really cold, right? So knowing that would say like you score an extra point for firewood or maybe it could be like a patchwork style scoring where you get negatives for what your gaps are. You've never played Patchwork, right? But No, I, I know what it is, though. Yeah, yeah, you get minus two for every open square. So yeah. what if, um, yeah, I mean, what if it's penalized for the gaps that you're missing mm-hmm. in your resources? And like, actually, that that's kind of interesting with the secret goal is that it's not a secret goal as much as it's a secret, it's a bad thing that's going to happen to all of us. And I know about it and you don't. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to prepare for that, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are 12 to 15 of these things. So we know what they all are. At the beginning of the yeah. game, you could look at all of them, see which ones are possible. And then everybody gets one, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, heck, if that were the case, say there were eight, everyone could just get two. So you're prepared for two things that are going to go bad. I'm prepared for two things. Everybody mm-hmm. else is. And it's how well we manage those things. Mm-hmm. I kind of think that's fun. It's not bad, yeah. Uh, another thought that came to me is that each round or or maybe there could be like every fourth round or something. Mm-hmm. There could be like a hazard deck and you flip over the top card of that. And I would say, hey, force fire. So no wood resources can be used this round. Uh, okay, okay. Yeah, you yeah. know, or uh, or flooding. So, uh, or, or I, don't, I don't know, bat, thunderstorms. So you can't go, no, you can't collect any food this round because mm-hmm. you can't do hunting, right? Right, right. Um, or so there could be different conditions that pop up in... And and by revealing those before people place the their tetrominoes to pick their dice, that that makes 
their placement a little bit more meaningful so that they can avoid collecting those resources that are that are worthless this round. Uh, or well, they could deliberately use a smaller tetromino to achieve that or something to that effect. Right, right, potentially. right. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that makes sense. Um, hmm. And one way that could work is because there are six columns, mm-hmm. every, ter- every second round, a different card flips. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. only for that one round. Well, I was thinking two, basically. Oh, you're two thinking rounds, two? Right? Oh, okay, yeah. Because two, two get removed, so yeah. every time two get removed, you flip a new card, right, that lines up with that. Sure. So, so that's an idea. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Just add some more challenges and some some more uh, uh, surprises. Put that in people's way. Ratchet up the tension. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, uh, and that that helps make sure it's not the same game every time, right? Right, right, right. Yeah. So, yeah, and maybe those two things combine together. Or how you do it, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, I think so. I think the two of those features together are layer on top of could layer on top of each other in interesting ways. Right. I mean, so another way to do it would actually be that um, there there are six sections of the game, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one is random, right? So we have use the, go back to the almanac pages, right? The first one is random; it pops up, and everybody has to deal with it for the first two rounds. Mm-hmm. The second one is player ones. I lay it out, so I prepared oh. for a round to uh-huh. what that was. The next one is player twos, threes, fours, random, right? So in a two-player game, it would be as simple as. Um, I get two, you get two. In a three-player game, it could go random, you, random, me, random, last person, right? Because there's six, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so basically you'd create randomness in there, but you'd also be able to predict some of the bad stuff coming. Um, yeah. That would, and maybe it's it, you lose resources or it negates your scoring, um, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, so that's neat. It's worth playing around with. Sure. I do wish it wasn't 24 dice, but... Well... So, the other way that it could be done without dice, if this was a grab-and-write game, would be you could have a bag of cubes. A pull-and-write. Pull-and-write. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, you could have a bag of cubes that you randomly draw and lay out in the 24 squares, and the different colored cubes are the resources. Yeah, you could totally do that, too. Um, yeah, 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 and then have just an equal distribution... Yeah. Uh, which means in the first round you would get all of them, and in the second round you would not. Right. In the yeah, you could easily do that too. Maybe that's better. It might. It certainly would be cheaper than dice. Just a bunch of colored cubes in a bag. Right. That's almost certainly cheaper than. I mean, I don't know. I'm not a publisher. I don't know, but I would guess that's cheaper than dice. It's cheaper than dice. Cubes are cheaper than dice. Yeah. I'm not a publisher, but I'm 100 percent certain that cubes are cheaper than dice. Man, it would feel so good to just roll 24 dice. It would. The, the one <laughs> issue with rolling 24 dice, though, is, of course, that when I roll those dice, and then I have to pick them to put in. And theoretically, yeah. it shouldn't matter. But, like, yeah, people could say that it could matter, right? Right. Oh, you put that one there on purpose. Yeah, so you could use this to get the shape and the ball. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I mean, you address that by saying last player draws or last player places them. You know, whoever's in last place places the dice, right? Right, that's true. Yeah, you know, so I think that's I think that's just a whiny thing that anybody could. It's easily ignored or planning around. True, but yeah, pulling cubes is a lot easier. Pulling one at a time or two at a time or something. You know, I think that's that's probably honestly the better way to do it. Um, probably, yeah. Uh huh. So that's my pitch. Yeah, I like that, man. I think that's that's a cool idea. I think that's the best approach that you've had for that theme. That you've done so far. Me too. And it was a culmination of a lot of things. Actually, yeah. one of those ideas, I won't say which one, came from the game I'm co-designing right now. And I actually told them, hey, I'm going to steal one of our ideas. Uh, one of the, uh, then, you know, the idea of the re- shared resources was a big thing. Um, and then I was just like, what I pictured was originally that this would be such a pain. I had been playing Tiny Park recently and Tiny Park comes with all of these uh, pieces of cardboard that have holes in them in the shape of dice, right? And I was like, what if it was like the, the tetromino shape, right? And you just laid it over top of the dice to claim the dice. And then I was like, oh, that's kind of neat. Mm-hmm. But what if instead it was like like you were actually just laying them on top and then claiming those dice? Like that would be kind of neat. Yeah. So, because I was thinking actually about my initial idea was the idea of you roll dice and put them in a line and you've got like 
like kind of like the door game I was talking about where you can slide down what the dice you actually care about are. Then I was like, oh, what sure. if you set it on top of them? And it just kind of evolved yeah. into that idea. No, but, I, think, yeah. I think it's cool. Yeah. I think it's cool. It's it's simple and intuitive. Um, and people like Tetris and it gives you a little bit of a Tetris on the tabletop feel, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah. I agreed. Yeah. We got a message. Uh-oh. I want to play this message. All right. Do we have time? It's a quick message. All right. Okay. All right. Shortest message ever. 16 seconds long. Oh, right. Very to the point. Got it. Hi. Yes, this uh, Jason. This is Dwayne from Awesome Games. I wanted to talk to you about designing a collectible car game for our company. If you just give me a call back at 800-555-1234. Thank you very much. Bye. Uh, wow, Dwayne. Uh, that you must be pretty excited, Jason. That's a pretty big offer. It's a pretty big offer. So yeah, yeah. so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take that and run with it. Yeah, you should you should give uh, Dwayne a call. Um, let's call him right now. Oh, I'm in airplane mode. Yeah, Darn see, we can't because that messes up when you sell your service and messes yeah. up the audio. So we can't do yeah. that. Well, you'll have to call him offline, or maybe we can figure out for a future episode some way to do a live call outside of that. Typically we use Skype when we bring somebody in, a guest in, but he didn't leave a Skype name. Um, Did not. So why don't don't you work on that? Let me work on that. Thanks thanks for the message, Dwayne. That's, hmm. I kind of want to track down Dwayne's real phone number. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm sure we have it through the Google Voice. So we can do a little research on that. We can do a little research on that. But anyways, whoever you are, Dwayne. Well, he's Dwayne from Dwayne, Awesome Games. Yeah, from Awesome Games. Right. Oh, they must have a website. They must have a website. I'd like to know what that website is. Yeah. I hope it's Dwayne.awesome.games.com. That's not a real website. No, that would not be. It's about as real as that phone number. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, thank you for that message. Dwayne, I hope we hear from you again. Uh, Me too. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Yes. Thank we're, you. We're done, right? We're done here. Okay. If you want to get in touch with us, you can send us an email, an email to buildinggamepodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at podcastbtg. Jason is at jaslingerlin. I'm at poorly underscore design. You can like us on Facebook and give us a five-star review on iTunes and Stitcher and other podcast places. Uh, call our Google Voice number at 770-TEL-BTG. Or if you're overseas and don't want to do that, you can email an audio file to us at buildinggamepodcast at gmail.com. Our website is buildinggamepodcast.com. Um... And uh, we're going to do this again next week. So look forward to that or don't, you know, just, just as long as you subscribe and download, we don't really care. True story. Yeah. Good night. Building the Game is a co-production of Imminent Entertainment and Poorly Designed Studios. All of the ideas presented by Rob and Jason are property of the Building the Game podcast. Next time on Building the Game. Tad more? How about that? How about that? How about Do you like that? that? Do you like that? Fan, Love you're it. a fan of that result. I here. am a fan of that result. Okay. Hey.